Hey fam, this is Westy from Mall Grab Coffee here with Pass the Brew and I am with. And I am Mark Cunningham, your other co-host. Mark. Mark's the original host. He kindly invited me to join him here. So Yeah, man, um, but it's well, better with two of us. It is better. I mean, well, I don't. <laughs> <It> <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. No, the it is better. It out. is better. The truth comes out. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Um, let's say I can imagine relating. I, I can't imagine doing a solo podcast. I'll put it that way. That was, yeah. I would be miserable. So my, <laughs> like I told you before, my hat is still off to you that you did a full season solo. I know you had a lot of guests, but still, that would be like, honestly, just would feel daunting. Um, but uh really excited to talk with you guys again this week uh, mark has a great interview lined up that uh we're gonna have be the focus for this kind of what we want to try to do is like interview every other episode um that's the target anyway um yeah. so anyway he's got a great interview with uh can you let us all know who it was with mark yeah, so the interview was with Vincent from Tails Coffee, located in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, and he is uh, the roaster at the table this month for the Shop Table Instagram page. And the really exciting thing is we have a collab coffee, and it's my first one ever. So I was super pumped. It was actually Vince who pitched the idea. Um and so they, I mean, he did all the work. I just sent him some colors and like what kind of, he was like, oh, what kind of coffee would you want? And I was like, I don't know. Like I like bright and fruity and pretty much anything. And so they went away and they roasted this bang in Kenyan and they called it Neon Lights, which I, which I really like. And they wrote this really cool blurb about how it matched my personality and whatnot. So yeah, it's just, it feels really dope to have a coffee like that. So that is out. You can find it through the link on my uh, on the shop table Instagram page, and you can get fifteen percent off using the code shop table. So shameless plug to buy my first collab coffee right there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try it. It's been a while since I had a good Kenyan. I've been craving one, um, and Kenyans are wait. Is it what process is it? I don't remember. It is a washed, um, like most, washed. Okay. most washed Kenyans. Kenyan. Natural yeah. Kenyans are are pretty pretty rare. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. I haven't had a good Kenyan in a while. was actually craving one. So it's perfect timing. Um, and Excellent. I've still been scared to try my hand at a Kenyan so far. Yeah. Um, well, they also but, have, uh, they have their own brew techniques. They've got a YouTube page. He's, he's pretty on the cutting edge of, of uh, breaking the established coffee rules. Uh, so his, his whole technique is around no bloom, but we talk about that in the interview, so I won't get into it Perfect. now. Perfect. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, my, the plan was for me to listen to it ahead of time so we could comment on it. I mm -hmm. uh, dropped the ball on my side, so I'm excited to hear it, and maybe we'll have a little more follow-up next week. But I got us off track from the start. Mark gave me a great <laughs> plan, and I just ruined it. Um, ah, let's Before you get too far gone, let's do Brew Tunes, you first. Yeah, Brew Tunes. Okay, so I am currently brewing. Uh, I'm just looking at my shelf to try and pick one of the many things. So I've got, uh, so my friend Carlos from happy home, uh, has moved on from happy home. He's now roasting for black and bold. So big roasting company in the States. Uh, he's pretty excited about that. So he has shuttered happy home for the time being, but I managed to get my hands on three coffees from him just before he, he closed his door. So I've been brewing a Las Lajas natural Costa Rican, which legitimately tastes like birthday oh, cake. Nice. And it's yeah. flipping incredible. Um, and then in terms of what I'm listening to, it's been... Uh, okay, this is going to sound really funny, but 
So I'm not on TikTok, but my wife is. And she Uh-oh. showed me this trend. Uh, and if you're on TikTok or not, you still might have seen it. But it's sea shanties. Um, okay. And it blew up like ridiculously. Like one guy did one. And then a whole bunch of other people, because you can like a duet on the app, apparently, like you can sing next to it or or like talk next to another video. And it it like blew up massively. And it was this one song called The Wellerman. And it honestly is it's like a foot stomper. And so uh, I've had that like on repeat for a while. And then I started down the rabbit hole of those. And and uh, Alan Doyle, who's in a band called Great Big Sea, kind of, kind of famous Canadian band out on the east coast he does a couple as well and so yeah super random but fantastic nonetheless wow sea shanties uh okay i can't promise to check that out but i'm (laughs) glad you shared (laughs) that's fine i'm gonna send Uh, you i'm gonna send you the the, it's like 30 seconds you gotta watch it's it's actually pretty awesome but okay i'll do 30 seconds i can get to that yeah um okay uh mine is i have just been like super stuck on the record brave faces everyone from spanish love songs okay i'm literally literally looking it up right now yeah flashlight coffee originally turned me on to it um but uh man it's just i liked it from the beginning but it's just a record the more i listen to it the more i just like the whole record um lyrically like if you're focusing on what they were saying like you could definitely feel like overall it's kind of a downer but i think it's i don't know i think there's sort of like some hopefulness in there even if it's really subdued but but the but it's just man it's it's just a jam it's great it's kind of like i don't know i don't know what people people get uptight about what you label things it's kind of like modern pop punk i guess but a little but a little bit like not so happy as like Seaway, um, more like Rye. A little, guess. little more know. emo. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that. I don't know. It's hard. You'll know when you hear it. You'll know right away. Yeah. Anyway, I've been I mean, just I, loving that record. I, I, downer songs, people singing about downer things, just right up my alley. Like I grew up listening to like My Chemical Romance and Good Charlotte and like all, you know, these, these kind of back in the day it was called emo. I don't know if that still exists. I know there's a bunch <laughs> oh, of us yeah. that were emo. And so mm-hmm. we'll make it exist, but, <laughs> uh, but totally. yeah, so I've, I've saved that album on my Spotify and so yeah. I'll be listening to that tomorrow. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, and then, you know, I have the same problem as you, as far as what am I brewing? I got to pick something, but I'm going to just go with what I brew last, which is, uh, at like maybe 3 PM this afternoon. I don't know, th- between three and four mm-hmm. at the office before I came home, I had a, Carbonic maceration, uh, Columbia from Coffee Net. They are a okay. green supplier, and they sent me like I didn't even I don't remember how it started, but they, they sent me twenty two different samples, which is like the Whoa. most anyone has ever <laughs> sent me. Like, so I got a bag of like twenty two different kinds of green coffee. That's... Um, but every single one is Columbia, though. Okay, but like. I mean, there's like two or three different carbonic macerations. There's like two different geshas. There's like a mandarin process, a honey process. Like it's like a couple different lactic ones. Ooh. Um, And EF two, and then like a WWF, which I honestly I don't even I don't even know what that means. Um, So 
one of these days when we get into processes, uh, we can we can we can figure that out a little bit more. But it is it is on the discussion list, but it is not for today. <laughs> no, we know that'll probably be a two part full episode. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a big one. Um, I mean, that's that's assuming if I research ahead of time. If I have to tell you what I know right now, it'll only take about five minutes. Um, <laughs> but says uh, says the roaster. <laughs> says the roaster. Um, yeah, that's my style. Everyone will figure it out soon. Uh, anyway, it was a great coffee, though. I'm excited about it. There is definitely potential that I had have that be my next um, limited offering. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah. Well, on that note, we will move. We're going to have a short discussion today, and then we're going to we'll go try into, to keep it short. Yeah, we'll try to keep it short. We say that, and then <laughs> yeah. we will. We'll see. We'll see what we will see. But then we'll have the interview with Tails uh, will be attached to the end, and so uh, you'll get that as well. But today's discussion topic: batch brew. Batch uh, brew. Okay, so. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in cause I want you to go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So batch brew, uh, how about first, like let's, let's agree on terms, right? You, you define it. So we know what we're talking about. Okay. Batch brew is, uh, anything from your, your bog standard coffee pot that people have at home. Like I would say you have to be brewing like three cups plus, um, and it has to be automated. So none of this, like you know, Amex or yeah, no, there's no manual. Yeah. It's you're, you're putting coffee and you're pressing a button and things are happening for you. Um, and it's not espresso. Obviously it's, this is filter batch brew coffee. That's coming, coming from an automated machine. That is my definition. I like that. I think that's a key, uh, key differentiator. You know, I, we're not here for the argument of a large Chemex. This is yeah, about no, an no, automated, no. it's about an automated machine. Yes, correct. Um, how about cold cold brew is a separate thing yes cold right? brew is a separate thing we're talking hot cold brew is a separate yeah thing. flash hot. chilled none of that we're talking straight up batch brew like you're you're brewing okay. it you're drinking it no flash we're not talking iced coffee or chilled or snap chilled or whatever all these other things that's a different discussion for another day i agree that sounds great okay so we've defined so, it We've defined it, and I think I well, I got the impression last time when it came up briefly that you have some opinions on it. So, do you have an idea where you want to dive in? I do. Um, Let's say Eric. Okay, so my opinion on batch brew and is that it is my favorite kind of coffee. Uh, I don't brew. I don't have a like decent machine at home, so I like I strictly brew pour over because I also just don't need like five cups in the morning. There's only two of us. I mean. My wife could probably yeah. drink four, but she's sitting here nodding. So I got that right. <laughs> um, but it's also the way that I judge a cafe, like straight up. If they you know, have batch brew as an offering, that is how I'm going to judge you on if you serve good coffee or not. Um, because it's so easy to do what okay not so easy but it's easy to do really well but it's also really easy to just forget about it like oh it's a machine blah 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 like i'm gonna focus all my time on these fancy pour overs or like spend all my time on extraction ratios with my espresso and all this kind of stuff um which all that is perfectly important but if you don't have a good if you have a batch brew on your menu and it's not good then i'm not coming back sorry like that's the first thing i'm gonna buy when i come into your store and if it's not good you're probably not gonna see me again 
Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And you know what? I've heard that from uh, multiple people, including yourself, that are definitely better experts than I'll ever be. That they're like, that's how they're like, I'm at a shop for the first time. This is what I do. I get a mm-hmm. cup of batch brew and I'm yeah. like, let's see, let's go from there. Um, I would say not having any cafe experience or background. Um, it's so funny. I, I haven't thought about it in terms of batch brew, not until just now, but when I go to a cafe, my main goal is to get something that I can't just do for myself at home. Yeah. That's fair. Right now, right now I have no way, no setup at all for espresso. So I basically only get espresso based drinks. Yeah. But I like the concept of what you're talking about. And I feel like, you know, in a perfect world, I'm getting an espresso. I'm going to get an espresso based drink as well as the batch brew. Yeah. Cup. Also that. Yes. <laughs> um, but I guess if I had to pick one, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know what it would just depend, but okay. So as far as batch brew, I think a lot of times it seems like it kind of has a bad name, but Correct. I mean, would you agree with that? Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. What, what is it like? What are the things I guess I don't, when I hear, when I get that vibe right here, someone throwing that out, I don't, I haven't gone very far as far as investigating. Like what, what are like some reasons you've heard in the past or like, what, what's the deal with it? Kidding. Yeah. You know? It's to me, it's the same kind of thing as dark roast in that batch brew is like the, the standard thing that people are in, at least in North America um, are used to when they go to, a, if they go to like a Dunkin Donuts or a Starbucks or Tim Hortons or like second cover, whatever your like huge chain coffee is that you go to. Like if you go and ask for a coffee, like odds are it's a, it's a filter coffee. Like it's a batch filter. And most of those places are terrible. Um, and so the coffee is terrible. Like here in Canada, it's Tim Hortons. That's like the standard. I know we have Starbucks now, but for years and years and years, it was like the only place you could get coffee. And if you go in and you ask for a coffee, like they're just, it's from a pot and they're just pouring into the cup and you ask for a double, double, you know, it's two cream, two sugar and whatnot. And so you know, when the specialty coffee scene in North America evolved, you know, they'd be, most places like straight up probably didn't serve batch brew um, because they wanted to distance themselves from what they were competing with. Like they were saying, no, 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 like that coffee's crap. Come to ours. Ours is better. And, uh, and we're going to show you how. And rather than, you know, just making what people were used to and just making it better, they tried to go too far. And so they avoided batch brew. But then... You know, places like Australia where batch brew was just fantastic always, you know, that coffee culture started to seep into North American coffee culture and European coffee culture and all that kind of stuff. And so batch brew over there is fantastic because they know what they're doing. And so more specialty shops started doing it. But people who were drinking specialty coffee were like, oh, you're serving batch brew. Like, isn't that just, you know, a big machine spitting out coffee? Like there's no it's not like an espresso, which is, you know, one cup every time or a pour over, which is one cup, usually every time, sometimes two, but you know, it can seem like it doesn't take as much effort or knowledge or whatever to, to make the coffee. And so people just kind of assumed it was going to be bad. So that's why I think it has a bad rap. Well, and you know, as far as serving like serve you know serving the customer or however you want to look at it if you're not if you're not sale oriented at all then Mm -hmm. i'm sure you can find a way to imagine it but having that option i think is a strong benefit to your customer base Mm -hmm. because 
how many times have we either done it or seen it done where someone gets a pour over and then they're like, where's the cream and sugar? <laughs> now, mm-hmm. I'm not judging that. Like, if that's someone's jam, like, I'm for it. But I would just wonder, I'm like, hey, for what you're paying and for what you're drinking, you know, seems like you could save some money and still be just as happy if you had a batch brew cup option, if you're mm-hmm. going to go that route. Because mm-hmm. um, you can correct me again if I'm wrong, because I don't have cafe experience like you. But I mean, generally speaking, if you want to get out of a shop for as little as possible outside of like maybe just a hot tea, a cup mm-hmm. of batch is the way to go. Yeah, surprisingly not in the cafe that I worked in. Um, okay. In Guild Trip, our batch was like the middle ground. So it most of the espresso-based drinks were the cheapest ones. And then batch was the was a little bit more expensive. And then like manual brew was the most expensive. Huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, because you're buying in general, especially in where I worked in Northern Ireland, like coffee for them is, is always espresso-based for the most part. Like that's what they're used to. Filter and batch uh-huh. is like a really new... Well, I mean, not anymore, but it was, was relatively new when I was working there. Um, and so you were buying less filter coffee from roasters. So, oh, you know, okay. we might buy yeah, five so kgs. Of yeah. Scale. So we might buy five kgs of that, but like 50 kgs <clears throat> of the espresso. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're paying more for the, the, the filter coffee and therefore we're going to charge more for it. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, you're saying basically what you guys moved in your shop yeah. was, was the espresso based drink. Yeah. And I would say at, as I worked there, like the longer that I worked there, the more and more people started buying batch more often because uh, when we had regulars, like we would recommend it. Um, like if people got Americanos all the time and drank them black, like we would start recommending bat. Like, have you tried our batch before? You know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Cause that was what we all drank for the most part when we were working there was like, we didn't pull our black batch. Yeah. Just cause it was just sitting behind us in the, in the pot on the counter. We just pour it in. And like, it was always these really incredible coffees and you know, it tasted better than when we brewed the 60. So (laughs) yeah, I mean the accessibility and availability are also a huge benefit. That's easy Mm -hmm. to see. It's like, Hey, I'm in a hurry. You're busy. I mean, I've definitely made that choice before. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I walk in and I look at the line. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. I'm like, well, I know if I just get a cup of coffee, I can be yeah. done the second I'm done paying. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a real, you know, that's a real benefit to all parties involved. Yeah. Um, I think like, as long as they're keeping, cause we, we put a lot of effort into our batch. Like we played with the recipes a lot. Um, we had a trick, which I don't work for that company anymore. And most of the people that I worked with there don't. And so I'm going to reveal it, but so we had the Fetco machine, which is what most cafes probably have. It's pretty popular, um, which big batch brewer. But we would shake the basket every minute during the brew. So like every time the mm. minute ran, you'd grab the handle and give it a shake, and that would help. Yeah. Like level out the the bed because even when you have a shower screen, the water doesn't still doesn't evenly distribute all the time, and so yeah. we felt like that made, and it did like if there was times where you forgot to shake, like you could tell the difference between the coffee. I'd imagine, especially in the early stages when the grounds aren't all saturated yet. Yeah. 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 If you forgot to shake, like, cause sometimes it's super busy and you're like putting your batch on or whatever. And then it gets like four minutes in and you're like, Oh crap. I haven't, I haven't shaken it. You would taste it. Be like, yep. I can tell the difference. 
Yeah. So when you guys are playing with a batch, like, so, you know, something that I consider to be untrue that I think was held in regard for a long time. Mm. Um, and I don't, I'm not alone. I mean, I learned everything. I'll be a good opinion. I have, I just got from somebody else. Mm. Um, it used to be really prevalent that like you use espresso blends for espresso drinks, right? Like that's what you did. Yeah. Um, what about, how was that approach from a cafe? Like, was there some stuff that you're like, this is suited for batch and other things that you were like, there's no way I would ever batch this. Um, for the most part, uh, we bought stuff that was specifically for filter, um, that we thought would be, would just do a little bit better. Uh, but loads of the roasters that we worked with over there, uh, places like assembly and La Cabra and, and things like that didn't do like, didn't label their roasts. It was just like, this is the coffee. You want it on espresso, then great. Make it on espresso. If you want it on filter, great. Make it on filter. And there was times because we were multi-roaster, we were like, there's lots of times where our orders just didn't line up and we would like run out of something and have to brew what we had. And so sometimes that meant we were brewing our filter coffee on espresso or vice versa. Um, Most of the time the other way around. But uh, Mm -hmm. so there's lots of times where we were like, well, this we're dialing in the filter and then we would dial in and be like, this is awesome. It tastes great. Like sometimes like maybe the crema wasn't as good or something like that. But for the most part, yeah. there was really no difference. Um, and I know people like to say, Oh, but espresso should be roasted. Like it should be developed a little bit longer. And I'm like, look, I, I only worked in a cafe for two years, but I did not see proof of that. Like in my experience. So I'm happy for yeah, someone to come I'll- and show me the science that tells me that's true. But in my experience, yeah. pulling shots and tasting coffee, like that just wasn't true. Like everything worked. Sometimes you just had to play with the recipe. Totally. I mean, I'll, I'll second you, except from even more ignorant standpoint, um, like that, <laughs> I, I just don't agree with it. And again, I would, I, I, I would be happily educated by someone with more experience mm-hmm. if they just wanted to give me their professional opinion, or even if they wanted to show me the science to back it. But like, mm-hmm. I'll have any coffee anyway, and yep. I can't, and this might just be due to my personal limitations, but I don't ever see ever roasting a bean and being like, I'm roasting this for espresso or I'm roasting it for filter. Yeah. And, and I said, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So No, that's right. Uh, I've had lots of feedback though, from people that do definitely know what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. like in universally, if they like it, and they try it both ways. They like it both ways. It's yeah. different experience, but mm-hmm. I've not ever, even with the Gesha, like <clears throat> this guy, daddy's got coffee. He loved it. Um, I think, man, I think he had like B60 and then AeroPress, but then he's also was pulling manual shots with his Newton espresso machine. And he was mm-hmm. like, man, it's even, it's even better this way. He's just going on about how much he loved it. And I was like, you know, I was like, I didn't try to roast it one way or the other. I just tried to not ruin it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. that's, I think that's, I, that's ability. what's lot, lots of roasters do is they just roast that coffee to taste the best it can possibly taste. Now, you know, if they cup it and, and, and then they, you know, brew it on, you know, they pull an espresso shot and they brew a V60 and it ends up tasting a little bit better on V60. And they say, Hey, this is a filter coffee because of that. It's like, okay, that's fine. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't, if you're like looking at a coffee and you get really excited, you know, about it. Cause it, you know, you know tasting notes are good or it's a, you know, a farm you haven't tried or whatever, whatever. Uh, and it's like, Oh no, this is for espresso. And I only have filter. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> who cares? Like grab it and brew it and see what happens. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I would, I would say the only way that would influence me 
And, and, per, and again, I agree with you. If a roaster wants to do it, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying they're probably just more talented than I'll ever be if they want to roast for a specific use. Yeah. Um, as far as your second point, uh, the, I would never probably get an espresso specific blend mm. and like V60 it. But in all fairness, I would, I'll probably literally never buy an espresso specific blend in my it's life. I, don't, I just don't see that in my future. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that it's wrong or I think it's bad or think people, other people shouldn't buy it and enjoy it. I just, I just don't see myself doing that ever. It's yeah. just not, it's not, my, it doesn't take my boxes. Yeah. And I think that's even uh, going to be an interesting topic for us to discuss in future episodes is blends. Blends. So. You're making a note. Um, uh, yeah, I literally, I'm, I'm grabbing a pen out of the cup and I'm writing blends on a piece of paper. I don't know how long it will take, but I'm, I'm very opinionated about it. So I look oh, forward to excellent. that. Excellent. Um, and I just, there's nothing like being ignorant and opinionated. It's just a great mix for me. Um, oh no. Oh, oh yes. Um, so wait, before you, before you leave batch, um, mm-hmm. well, I guess, what, where, how are we doing for time? Because I really want to make sure the episode's like feels tail centric. Yes, we. I think we could go for another another couple of minutes here, and then we'll okay. uh, we'll transition. So this, I think, could be revisited in the future, but we can dive into it a little bit. You said you don't have a batch at home at all right now. I do not. Okay, so for a couple of years, we've been using the Ninja mm-hmm. batch brew maker, which. I know just me saying that will probably make some people cringe, but it is uh, SCA approved, um, which means something. How yeah. much it means, you know, it probably depends on who you ask. Yeah. But um, it does, I think it's the like most affordable option that is SCA approved. Mm-hmm. And it is very versatile in that you can get a satisfactory cup out of it. Mm-hmm. or a full carafe like yeah it it does everything between those like two extremes like you know not amazing you don't like it's not remarkable but like to have that kind of flexibility with you know the lifestyle mm-hmm. of you know kids and, and whatnot um, for sure we've been very happy with it for a couple of years maybe even three at this point mm-hmm. but recently got a mocha master uh the technoform mocha master Ooh, big upgrade and uh, I, yeah, I will, I can tell you like the first cup out of that thing, even my wife who doesn't care about coffee in the same way that I do. She absolutely mm-hmm. loves coffee, but doesn't care the same way I do. She's like, wow, that this is familiar. really good. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I would, I would like to maybe, I don't know if we have any interest. It might be cool to, to talk more about a specific machine recommendations or something like that, but that'd be kind of further down the road. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, I think recommended coffee equipment would be a good episode. Um, I think so. Like I'm trying to think of ways to be useful. Right. And it's like, it down. usually, yeah. Usually when I find someone that's, even if they're not the smartest they're interesting or relatable, I'm like, I wonder what they would do in this mm-hmm. situation or which choice they would make. So, yeah, I think that's um, uh, I think that's a great, uh, great topic. Great topic. Great to- we have a great we have a great list of great topics. It's true, we do. <laughs> Dude, it's just a random piece of paper sitting next to me, but it's there. It's there. I have a feeling we'll get ourselves in a situation where we're gonna have to be like, what do they call that? Um, like fire round or not fire round? Oh, Shotgun lightning round. round. 
Lightning, lightning round. round. There you go. Yeah. Jeez, where am I? Where's my head at? Yo, that's Just a good idea. Burn. Lightning round Maybe topics. We can burn some. Yeah, we have like literally, you know, 30 seconds each or or maybe it needs to be like 10 seconds each, but it's like no rebuttals. Here's the topic. You go, I go, and then we move to the next one. That'd yeah, be but, kind of a good way to keep our queue clear. It's another, it's another, oh, I mean, it's a way to keep the queue clear. We've already just added it to the queue as well. So <laughs> excellent. Is the that, list grows. Yeah. Q. I know Q is a big deal in the UK, which you were, that's where you are not. You weren't, you weren't at a shop in the UK though. Was yeah, Q technically, a big deal there? Yeah. So uh, Northern Ireland is part of the UK. Um, okay. So it shows what officially. I know. Classic so, ignorant American. So yeah, it's like a big deal over there. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, Q is Q is what they call a line. Be careful. Yeah, yeah, that's, what they, that's yeah. a big deal there, though, right? Q, right? In yeah, queuing. that's what they call it's it. Too yeah. Q to be in the Q queuing. Yeah, right. That's not that's not a Canada thing, though. No, not at all. No, they no, don't know what a Q line. is. I think it's just a letter of the alphabet. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, um, but Netflix is what you know gave Americans the Q. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's how we figured Netflix, out what a Q was. Educating the masses. Yeah, for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna call it there. Should we close uh, it out? Let's yeah, we're gonna close out. it out. Um, end on a end on a high note, or at yeah. least on high, <laughs> I feel high. Uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for for tuning in, and we've got the interview with Vincent from Tails Coffee coming right up now, and uh, the episode will just end there. So thanks very much. Thanks everybody. Take coffee and take care. Yeah. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to Pass the Brew and this segment of the episode where I am super excited, as per usual, to welcome our guest, uh, Vincent from Tails Coffee and Fabrew, uh, which we'll talk about what both those things are throughout here. But welcome to the show, Vincent. Thanks, Mark. Super excited to have you, man. We, You and I have been talking, <laughs> I mean, trying to do this podcast in particular for the last couple of weeks, but uh, yeah. we finally got a time nailed down, which is good. But uh, yeah, you and I have been chatting over over instagram for what like a year now i think yeah close to about a year now i think yeah yeah since lockdown and we had to sort of reach outside our normal circle but uh yeah pumped to have you on the show man so i guess first first question for you is something that um my co-host westy who unfortunately couldn't be here for this interview but will be on the episode uh we always sort of ask ourselves this question it's called brew tunes so First question, what coffee are you brewing today, if you are having one right now? And then what music are you listening to? Uh, so I was actually brewing the coffee I designed for you. Um, it was yeah, neon lights. neon lights. Woo! Neon lights, yeah! Um, <laughs> as for what kind of music, today was kind of interesting. Uh, we were listening to some, like... I was listening to a song called Shelter that I've really been into recently. Okay. I make and it has like chance to rap and everything and then like lyrically it was it was kind of interesting and really hits, hits hits the mark it vibes nicely but then like some guys walked in and they're like damn i feel like metal today and i was like all right uh time to put some polyphia on so i put some polyphia okay. on. I, was, I i yeah it was kind of weird and then uh they were showing me some other kind of uh a guy called ichikoro Okay. He's a Japanese guy who also does kind of like metalish kind of music, and uh, we were just listening to those and vibing to it. It was just, it's it's a good day, you know. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, yeah, that's that's two very different types of music that you had going, but nonetheless, <laughs> very awesome. So, can you tell us what for those who haven't seen 
the Instagram launch of Neon Lights. Can you tell us what what is Neon Lights? Neon Lights? Okay, so Tails Coffee is like a company that creates coffees that, like, so we're roasters and we Mm -hmm. roast coffees based on like moods or feelings Mm -hmm. or moments. And then uh, when we look at you and like how like energetic you are, we thought of, and like your color schemes, we thought of neon lights. So we put together a coffee that's kind of like bright, energetic, vibrant, Mm -hmm. but it has like a lot of like depth to it because we thought you're like a very stable person at the same time. So we we tried to hone in on that. And uh, yeah, so that's what neon lights is. Neon lights is literally just a coffee from Kenya now. The yeah. wash process. Uh, the roast level is closer to a medium. Yeah, we generally like to do mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, going to light, you get kind of like a green, nutty flavor, yeah. which some people like, but I'm not really into it. So we kept, we keep most of our coffees in the medium range. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the one I roasted up for you. It just gives off a nice lavender, but had a milk chocolate kind of finish to it. So. Man, I well, I'm super excited. Uh, yeah, so this this kind of came around. Uh, you and I have been talking again, like we said, for just just about a year now. And when I did the rebrand of my Instagram page and launched the shop table and started bringing on uh, roasters, it, we were both of us were super keen to bring you on. And then it was kind of it was, you you for sure pushed the the idea of roasting a coffee and and using using the branding and the color scheme and. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's actually really cool to hear someone describe uh, you in a coffee. Uh, so that was that was cool. I actually uh, I really like that. So <laughs> so that was that was uh, that was great. Yeah, I think um, like a lot of times like we just like we we overly kind of I, I guess think about our coffees too much. Mm-hmm. So many like flavor profiles, tasting notes, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I come across a lot of customers. I speak to a lot of my customers here at Fabru, mm-hmm. um, but people don't taste things the same. Yeah. Uh, I've had people argue over what a mango tasted like. And <laughs> it was actually the funniest thing. One, one, one guy was Filipino, the other guy is Mexican. It was really funny because I made them the exact same coffee and they like didn't know each other. Yeah. And the funny thing was they were like, oh, our families both grow mangoes for Superstore. And you know, like neither of them are wrong yeah. because they, they, they eat different types of mangoes. So they yeah. both UPS a mango over to my shop and like three <laughs> days later they came in and they're like, bro, can you tell me if your coffee tastes like this? I'm like, dude, you're right. These two are mangoes. Yeah. My coffee don't taste like this. <laughs> like it, it, it kind of like made me think, I was like, huh. Yeah, taste is super you know, subjective. Like, 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 what is a mango? If they yeah. can't even agree on what a mango tastes like, then what? What? Why are we using flavor notes? Yeah. But I realize, like, people like, like when I describe coffees, I think of colors mm-hmm. a lot of times. And so, mm-hmm. like, you having like very specific colors for your Instagram page or for like your definition, I thought it was actually fairly easy to mm-hmm. create a coffee that represents you because you already defined yourself and. Mm-hmm when I look at coffees, like when I taste coffees, like I've done testing where it's like, I roast a coffee and I do a tasting with, this is obviously prior to COVID, but mm-hmm. a bunch of people, yeah, you know, like 50 plus people. Mm-hmm. And I give them a color palette and you know what? Like the people generally gravitate towards the same section of the, of the colors mm-hmm. or the same coffees. 
Yeah, I, I think that's I've seen um, I've seen some companies who do that. Other other coffee roasters. There's we are here in the UK. They they all they have on their bag is the title of the coffee and a color, and that's it. And it's yeah, that's it, like the way they're telling you how it's going to taste. And yeah, I, I think it's becoming more of a it. Well, I mean, it's definitely becoming more of a conversation um, in the specialty coffee world. Is like how do we make it more approachable? Because yeah, sometimes people get not, not necessarily intimidated by tasting notes, but if they brew their coffee and they're like, uh, I don't taste strawberry. Did I do this wrong? It's like, no, you didn't do it wrong. It just, you don't taste strawberry. You taste something else. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But people, especially people who are just starting out. Right. I feel like it's Mm -hmm. a step to get into the coffee industry. Cause it's like, at this point in time, I find like coffee is, quite pretentious Mm -hmm. and it is quite intimidating to kind of get into especially like when you're with like all these like quote-unquote coffee snobs right and i mean Mm -hmm. it's less predominant now but like two three years ago they were definitely like out there in full force 100 like you know like right yeah yeah i've always thought like the wine industry was like the most pretentious or the prestigious ones right yeah but i don't know where like the whole coffee one came from like people just started grading things yeah. At this point in time, it's like, oh, it's like foodies or like influencers that say a lot of things, but are you really qualified to say so many things as if you're mm-hmm. correct in the first place? Like there's, it, it's an opinion, right? Yeah. But people act like they are the only right answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people tell me that I can't brew coffees because my grind size is too fine. Or like, they're just like, oh yeah, you uh, shouldn't freeze your beans. And I'm like, huh? What do you mean? Let me introduce you to Proud Mary, who serves their beans literally out of a frozen hopper. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, like like Proud Mary like really popularized it, but like the guy who really made it happen, I think it was 2017 uh, World Barista Championship. The guy Mm -hmm. brought dry ice onto the stage, and he Mm -hmm. froze his beans on stage. And like at that point in time, people were just like, "Damn." So you can brew with frozen coffee. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, you know, him being a world champion means, you know, he's credible. Yeah. But he's also, you know, like backed by Malconic. Mal- Malconic was. And then so then people were just like, oh, yeah, is this guy actually credible? Or did Malconic mm-hmm. like, you know, like pay the most sponsorship fees? So mm-hmm. they won the tournament. And, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I think we should be more open minded. Yeah, I-, I-, I agree with you for sure. And. I will preface this with I was. Uh, I'm a recovering coffee snob, I like to say, uh, <laughs> in that when I first got into coffee, uh, after I sort of learned the the basics and started getting more knowledge and all this kind of stuff, I was definitely like one of the people who uh, would would just be like, oh, no, you can't do this or you can't do that or that's wrong or that's right, you know. Uh, and I will say this, uh, if you're listening, Liam Strain, I blame you for that because that's how <laughs> you are. He's one of my best friends. Uh, but he he was the one who introduced me to specialty coffee kind of in the first place. He's from Australia. Uh, okay. We're like, it's yeah, obviously the hub of, of specialty coffee. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I kind of, I, I sort of learned actually from a, a shop near, near where my parents live. It's called Smalls in Hamilton. And okay. it's run by these two people, Ian and Jess. And they, obviously like in Canada, the popular 
Tim Hortons is like the most widely accessible coffee. And then obviously most people drink a double double. So their thing is like, if someone comes in and orders a double double, like we're just going to make it for them and yep. hope that they're like, Whoa, this tastes way better than a Tim Hortons double double. And then they'll come back and we'll make it again. And maybe next time they'll only take one cream and one sugar and then sort of go on a journey with them from there. And I'm like, that's a much better way to do it than to, for someone to come in and, you know, ask for a double double and, you know, just be, have, you know, a pretentious barista say to you like, Oh no, like blah, 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 blah. Um, when I worked as a barista often, I would say, yeah, no problem. Uh, we have milk and sugar. Uh, I would encourage you to try it first, like take a sip, uh, just to see, cause this might be different than the coffee you're used to, but yeah, yeah the, the, uh, the pretentious barista or pretentious coffee person definitely, uh, still exists heavily, but I think, like you said, it's on the way out. I think the coffee industry in general is becoming yeah. more. Or you could just be like me and just don't offer cream and sugar. Yeah, or you could. <laughs> we just I, I, literally I don't, don't have it in the store. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... I just don't have it in the store. I'm like, sorry, sorry guys. Like, I, I, I can't help you there. Like, I yeah. don't have it. Do you get, like, would you find that when people come to your store, do they know what they're coming in for? Or do you, nope. do you get a lot of people who are like, oh, you don't have milk and sugar? How do you, how do you deal with that then? I'm just like, sorry, guys. I just don't think our our milk here really accentuates the flavors in the coffees. Mm -hmm. And I just like, like that, that reigns true. Like, yeah. the reason I didn't really bring in cream or sugar is, well, I, okay, to be fair, I have sugar. So if, if people actually wanted sugar, like, I gave it to you, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm never really against it. Uh, if people tell me ahead of time, I will buy the milk, I'll buy the cream ahead of time. Yeah. But generally, I don't carry it because I think, like, our milks or our creams don't really bring out certain, like, it doesn't make the coffee taste better. Yeah. It just covers the flavors of the coffees. And I think at that point in time, I might as well just be adding like, I don't know, chocolate syrups or caramel syrups because it, yeah. it serves the same purpose. It, it masks mm -hmm. the, what people presume is an untasty part of coffee. And mm -hmm. I, I hope like people give it, give it a try. Like I offer like, you know, teas and things like that too. But mm -hmm. a lot of people here, they, they, they come back and they just drink black coffees because they're just like, Oh, I never expected coffee to kind of taste like this. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I've had this kind of same moment as you, but it wasn't in Canada. I had really great coffees in Hong Kong when I was working there. Mm -hmm. um, had a world champion. Well, he was a runner of world champions, uh, Brewers Cup or Barista. Mm -hmm. And he was just doing a pop-up in Hong Kong. And I had the liberty to try their coffee. And it was amazing. Like, But he flew his milk in from... Ireland, I believe it was either Whoa. Ireland or yeah, it was like it okay. was not cheap. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, it's because like like I, I'm not familiar with Hong Kong. I uh, I'm only here for a couple of days, but I wanted to show people like my recipe, my brew. Um, mm -hmm. I used one from Ireland, and damn, did that milk actually just bring out certain flavors? Yeah, it, and his I coffee tasted like a strawberry milk chocolate. Oh man. Like it was just, yeah, it was like yeah. a strawberry chocolate milk. Sorry. Yeah, no. And I think, I think there is, there's a time and a place for additives, I guess you would say like when you're putting stuff in your coffee, not so much with filter coffee. Um, like I would say pour over batch brew generally like yeah. any, any kind of filter coffee you're brewing just it is going to be more itself. If you drink it black. Now, if you're a person who just, you know, doesn't do that again, your, your preference. But when you're talking about more espresso based drinks, uh, because espresso is just much more packed with intense flavor, I guess, cause it's obviously yep. concentrated, but I think you can get almost get away with slash 
accentuate the flavors by adding certain things. I really, um, you know, and that's why they have a, you know, in the barista championship, they have, you know, you do your espresso straight espresso, you do a milk-based drink, and then you do your signature drink, which is where people yeah. add, add all sorts of stuff, um, to accentuate the coffee. And I think there is a time and a place for that. Yep. Well, what's yeah. your favorite espresso based drink? Oh, uh, honestly, it's, it's black. I like an espresso with like a little bit of hot water. Um, okay, almost, me too, me too. almost like drinking scotch where you just add a couple drops of, of filtered water and it just opens it up a little bit. I find the yeah. same. I like straight espresso. I haven't, when I worked as a barista for two years, you just get really used to drinking it because you're dialing in in the morning and you drink a ton of it. Um, yeah. but I think legit, if I'm in a, if I'm in a shop, espresso is not going to be my go-to. My go-to is going to be, I, I would call it a long black. Um, yes. But not everybody knows what that is. So I'll generally say, can I get an espresso with just like a little bit of hot water? And most of the time, yeah. the barista will just like hand me the kettle or just like a, li a little glass with hot water and I'll just add it myself. Um, but yeah, I think that's because uh, an Americano is just too, I, I would just drink filter Warm, coffee bro. at that point. Yeah. Like I would just rather have a filter, but yeah. yeah favorite espresso based drink would be, uh, yeah, we'll long, call black. It long black. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I, I like to do like long, long blacks. Mm -hmm. So mine are like 150 grams of liquid. Yeah, okay. So I pull a longer shot in the first place. Mm -hmm. I pull like 80 gram shots and then I add 70 grams of water to it. Oh, dang, an 80 gram shot. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. That's... Um, I find, because like, I so how I brew my, how I pull my shots is I also like, um, I've, I've got the Breville machine, like the infuser, like yeah. the home one at, at my shop, because I think like people keep asking me how I make coffees or how, yeah. how I would pull a shot. And I'm like, Oh, if I brought in a super nice machine, like I have a Slayer as well, but, um, if I brought in like a Slayer, right. Mm -hmm. You don't have a Slayer home. Like it's, it's hard <laughs> to replicate it. Right. Yes. Um, I'm not, I'm pretty sure not everyone's <laughs> going to spend like six, seven, eight grand just to buy like a, a giga nice espresso machine and then this throw down like another four grand to buy like a super nice um grinder so what i've done is i've actually purchased like the breville infuser which was mm -hmm. at like 500 dollars, and then i i don't even grind my grinds fine i keep the same grind size as my pour overs just to show people that i can pull a pretty nice shot mm -hmm. even on this machine with like you know a worse grinder doesn't have a, a great you know uh espresso grind size right yeah so you yeah do, like i i have um I, I use my pour over grind size instead mm -hmm. and i pack the puck and then i've got the two buttons so the left button i is my pre-infusion mm -hmm. what i've done is i've set it so that there's just enough water yeah to fill the puck and maybe two drips come out okay and i leave it in there for 45 seconds mm -hmm. and then i manually pull the shot to, to 80 grams myself hmm. um yeah and it it tastes really amazing super sweet and people really enjoy it. So at the end of the day, that is all that matters. I don't really care how, like, cause, yeah. cause this is honestly, this gets into my, <clears throat> my kind of next point or next ish question is you're, you're quite on like the, the cutting edge of, of brewing. There's a lot of, you know, what people would call brew rules or, you know, things you're supposed to do that you yeah. just don't do like the blue yeah, broken every one of them. Yeah, exactly. Like, but they work. Like I uh, basically exclusive been exclusively been brewing the the no bloom method uh, on 
everything like Kalita V60. Like, so what makes you want to challenge those, you know, preconceived, you know, rules that are, that are in place? Okay. So let me tell you a little backstory of myself. Um, I came from, I started off in fashion Mm -hmm. and I was like a sales. I did like, and then I started, ended up doing like, uh, merchandising. Okay. Uh, I spent about five, six years in the fashion industry. I, and then, you know, like I wasn't like making huge money and then I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I had an opportunity cause I was studying finances in school. So I went into mm-hmm. finance. I worked in Hong Kong, New York for a bit in the financial districts. Oh, dang. I was opening up my own firm back in BC with, uh, for, uh, investments. Whoa. And, yeah. I would just do those like private industry, private, private investments. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was like, we had a lot of health issues. Like my partner, and I, uh, mm-hmm. he actually ended up in the hospital for seizure issues. Okay. From just being stressed and overworking. Mm-hmm. And so we left the industry. Um, and I was like, well, I just want a place to kind of just chill and, uh, you know, just recuperate yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go into coffee. Uh, I, I really love bars. So if you ever go to come to Fabru, mm-hmm. um, I only have a bar counter. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen the photos and the videos. Yeah. So it's just me talking to a customer in front of me. Um, That's awesome. Just a bar counter because I love like the bartender lifestyle or bartender service. Mm-hmm. Being able to like understand a person, get to know them. Yeah. And then really be like there for them. Mm-hmm. I don't think people ever come back for the coffee. They just expect it to be good, right? Mm-hmm. But for you to live up to the expectations, you kind of have to work on improving things. And so yeah. what I did was I started to learn coffee in my first two, two, three years. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I suck. Like, let's be real. Be <laughs> bad. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't like, you know, get flamed out of my mind on the market. Um, yeah. People that- service so i didn't get too bad of a reputation i don't think that many people came back for the coffees a few of them did um they've stuck with me ever since and i really appreciate them but uh during those years i looked up a lot of guides online and everything just seemed to be the exact same (laughs) it was like pour water in wait 30 seconds pour water in wait 30 seconds (laughs) and then pour to your amount and you're just like okay every recipe is the same yeah fundamentally and then you ask the question why what why do you do that mm-hmm. and nobody can answer you so i went to a couple <laughs> classes yeah and i'm like why do you do that they're just like huh this is how i was taught i'm like fuck bro like why were you teaching a class <laughs> when you don't even know what you're teaching like it's it's like telling me it's just like oh yeah two times two equals four because that's what i was taught <laughs> not because there are two twos and if you you know yeah add them up together, there's four right like yeah at least know some, something about what you're doing yeah uh, you you hear often that the 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 bloom is very important because you're trying to give off gases yeah and i i don't know i don't see people giving off gases for an espresso shot yeah it's like you want the gases because everyone talks about the crema the crema is the gases and everyone's talking about it yeah so like i i go back to the v60 and i'm like huh so why am i trying to get rid of this this crema or this this bloom yeah gases when this is the thing that you have to absolutely have in an espresso shot Mm -hmm. and then you go to things like siphons and you're like a siphon doesn't get rid of it Mm -hmm. you stir it 
and you want it at the top, it's like beer foam. Mm-hmm. Beer foam keeps all the sweetness in the beer. Yep. And that's why when you drink a well poured beer, you get angel rings, right? It's because the foam has little minute bubbles that are really small and has high density mm-hmm. and it keeps all the flavors inside and it leaves all the bitterness outside. And so you get these, this, this beautiful texture versus beautiful like sweetness. And, you know, I think like coffee was like a very like new industry, um, especially in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite coffees I had definitely were in Asia, uh, yeah. Taiwan, Japan, um, Hong Kong. Hong Kong had a lot of good coffee. Um, mm. I come back to Vancouver and I'm just like disappointed at best. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Yeah, I had a lot of good black coffees there. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, maybe our techniques or methods are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can look at different techniques or different ideas. There's never, there should never be one way to make it. Mm-hmm. And then I started talking to like chefs and things like that. And like, you know, honestly, like people have like a certain rule of thumb for, you know, making steaks as well. Right. Mm-hmm. But it isn't a popular opinion until someone really famous or like a two or three Michelin star restaurant does it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. So there are like techniques that people have applied to steaks like sous vide or whatever. It wasn't popular until like, I don't know, like last like eight to 10 years, even mm-hmm. though it's been around for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people like question me. They're like, Oh, why do you peel ginger with a spoon? And I'm like, cause it works better. <laughs> a lot of people still use like, you know, peelers or graters or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I've found the, the best success with a spoon and you know, just because I'm not, I'm no Marco pure white doesn't mean I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I, I took to my own ideas and just started to reason with what I was doing. Yeah. And I, I don't think people are wrong. I mm-hmm. don't think that their ideas are incorrect. I'm sure like of all the Scott Rayo books I've read, mm-hmm. they influenced me a lot. They worked really well. His techniques definitely were good. Mm-hmm. but there's, there's no like explanation behind it. And I was never able to like reach out to him and be like, Hey, like, what are your thought process on this? Yeah. And then, yeah. And so I decided that maybe it was best for me to kind of like figure out some other techniques or look or take techniques from other industries like mm-hmm. wine industry yeah. or like the food industry, right? Like mm-hmm. you decant, do you stir? Do you let things air? Like what, what does it do? Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried shaking coffees in just a shaker but hot with no ice in it hmm. and you know just to like make it more fluffy or aerate a little bit yeah you, do is you put like whiskey balls or like the the, the metal whiskey rocks yeah you're shaking you can fluff it up and it makes your coffee a little bit fluffier because hmm. it's more aerated right i don't know like things like that like really change yeah. perspectives or maybe it's because you're shaking it and all the oils are sticking to the top now yeah and so when i decided on my technique i was like oh there are certain things I noticed and the first thing I wanted to test out was flavors and when they're extracted. And so what I did was I had a stand and I would put the V60 on the stand mm-hmm. and that stand would be on the scale. And I 
uh, well, I went to Crate and Barrel because I liked Crate and Barrel. <laughs> Even though this stuff is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And I found these beautiful cups. They were these double wall stainless steel four ounce espresso cups. Okay. okay? And I bought 30 of them. Okay. That's insane. Because yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> fortune. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were, it, was, it was cool because they weighed the exact same. Each mm-hmm. one of them had the exact same weight to it. And okay. Yeah, like the ceramic ones, they had fluctuating weights. Mm-hmm. But because this is the exact same, you can run tests on it. Right. So what I did was I started brewing coffees, and I would just I, – I, I even didn't want to move because if I were to pour in circles, you could say, oh, I poured one more circle this time. I poured one less circle this time. Yeah. Um, so I would just do a, a center pour. Yeah. And I would switch a cup every 15 seconds, and I would uh-huh. taste portion of the of the coffee and i noticed no matter after like multiple multiple tests with different techniques i poured from different heights i poured with different water temperatures yeah you realize one thing and it is at the two minute mark flavor of coffees start to suck yeah. <laughs> and it becomes really thin and you can actually see the difference oh, yeah. on a dripper mm-hmm. um you can see that whatever's dripping out becomes really light and colored mm-hmm. and it didn't matter how much water had passed through right it was an extraction thing so yeah, that yeah. told me that water and coffee beans extraction has to do with time. Yeah. And okay. flavors like to be extracted in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, like a longer time does not mean we're extracting more because the stuff we're extracting doesn't necessarily taste good. Yes. Yeah, so you're not trying to extract everything out of the coffee. Yeah. You only want to extract what is good. Mm-hmm. And so I found, or in my opinion, I think what is good is from the first 45 seconds of the coffee, which is what an espresso really is, right? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of sweetness comes through at until the 145 to two minute mark. Mm-hmm. And so that's why in the espresso, I also let it kind of sit for 45 seconds right? before I pull a, a longer shot, which ends up at about the minute 30 anyways, because I do a, lo- a, a very low pressure pull in the beginning. Right. And then I speed it up afterwards. And so I've applied certain thoughts or ideas to my, to all the coffees, because these are rules I've set for coffees. I've set that flavors are extract are to do with time. Mm-hmm. And so now we have to play within these time frames. Mm-hmm. And I notice the more times you pour, the slower it gets or the longer it gets. Yeah the more muddy it gets. And yeah, because you're agitating all those fines and then they're, you know, they're starting to That's clump correct. and all that kind of stuff. That's right. And all the heavier and the bigger chunks, mm-hmm. they float up. Mm-hmm. And so you have like the smallest particles at the very bottom, which is the bottom of the cone where everything's dripping out of. But because mm-hmm. they're super fine, nothing passes through them. Yeah. So your timings become extra slow. Um, and so I've come to create my single pour technique through... I guess it was like logical yeah. uh, deduction or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And that's, that's legit. Like it's, it's the whole thing of, okay, well, why do we do it this way? Well, it's just the way we've always done it. It's like, that's not an answer. Uh, that's right, yeah. So I'm going to go and try something else because you haven't actually given me an answer that makes me want to not do that. Um, and I think yeah. that's a lot of the, a lot of the coffee industry is like, why, you know, why is specialty coffee always roasted super light? Well, 
because we're trying to differentiate from other coffee and that's just the way we've always done it. It's like, yeah, but some coffees are taste better when you roast them slightly darker. And so, yeah. and there's now there's people actually pushing the envelope with that stuff and creating specialty dark roast and like how to brew it and all that kind of stuff. And they're delicious. And now we open ourselves up to a new demographic of people who don't want to drink super acidic, really light coffees. Uh, so yeah, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, we can't just keep doing something because it's the way we've done it. Yeah. We never progress. Right. And I think yeah. like the industry itself, like, especially during like the snobbier times, it, it was hard because people like really pull you down and they, you feel kind of bad about it. It's just like, yeah. just because I'm not a world champion doesn't mean like I can't test things and be right about it. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, it's also competition it's different than just obviously it's different than just day to day, but I, I don't necessarily see winning a coffee competition as a guarantee of credibility. Like, yes, absolutely. You've, you know, you've done something that's really impressive, but you've also done it to you've, you've been doing specific things following very specific parameters in order to fit, to win that specific competition. Right. Okay. Like there's, there's rules and there's grading systems and that, that you have to fall within in order to, reach the end right so it's not necessarily you're an expert in that like you won the barista world championship Th that to me means you're an expert in the barista competitions like you probably know a lot about coffee but i don't necessarily say it makes you an expert in coffee yeah I, I, well i think they're pretty like I've, I've had a lot of like championship coffees like they're, they're mm -hmm. really good they definitely know what they're talking about oh yeah um, but at the same time, like they're also using a lot of like coffees that normal people can never. <laughs> yeah, you know how much a competition coffee cut like a hundred grams of a competition coffee from from a really like hot end roaster that some of these people are using is like a hundred dollars. It's like outrageous. So hundred dollars, like that's 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 like cheap, bro. Like yeah. fully, like if you if you think about it, like I remember seeing one and then like he was like, oh yeah, my my bean um was like five fifty USD a pound. Yeah. That's like green. So like roasted, yeah. like look, you're looking at like $1,800, like $1,500 <laughs> a pound. Like, yeah. you know, like even at a thousand dollars for a pound, that's 450 grams, right? Yeah. Literally it's $20. Like it's like $20 a gram, right? Yeah. yeah. That's insane. That would be like 20 bucks a gram. Yeah. Or no, sorry. It's $2 a gram. It's $2 a gram. So like a yeah. hundred grams would be like $200. That's actually why I think, uh, in my opinion, the AeroPress championship is is the best way to do it because everybody gets the exact same coffee yeah, and the agree. exact same brewer. Every they have the same equipment and like you really have to you just have to taste and like constantly be Yeah, it's great. I love I think it's the best. It just levels the I, playing I agree. field. I actually agree. Like I was okay, so like in 2020 uh last year, I was actually planning to start a competition within like BC. Mm -hmm. I was hoping to do it for Canada um where you know, it's a pour over that you actually, everyone uses the same beans of. Yeah. And I think it's just so much more fair. I agree. Uh, you, you don't see people in master chef or like, you know, iron chef using food from two different pantries, you know, yeah. the, 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 the contestants are literally shopping and grabbing food from the yep. exact same place. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. It's all about creativity and, and knowing, like knowing the coffee and knowing your brewer, yeah. what's happening like, I, I mean, in like, it. If and... you're going to bring in like a different knife or something like that. Yes. That's, I think that's perfectly fine. Like 
Yeah. You know, like you bring in like a different dripper, like some people like the April dripper versus like, you know, a metal V60 or the origami, right? Yeah. I think like that is fine. But at the end of the day, like, it's like, we want to see your technique or how you maximize this exact mm-hmm. coffee bean. And, and it needs to like, or like, or at least give me a theme. Don't just be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to taste your best coffee because mm-hmm. everybody has like a different, you know, palette that like, like I've said, right? It's like, yeah. What it's is also, the theme for this year? Yeah. One of the things I think as well is when you can bring any, like a specific coffee to a competition, like I've had coffees where the roaster did such an incredible job and the producer did such an incredible job. Like the, I couldn't screw it up. Like even when I did a horrible brew, it still tasted fantastic. Yeah. Right. And it's like, so at a, you know, at a brewer's cup or a barista competition where, you know, you're bringing these ridiculous roasts that are, you know, experimental procedures and, and the roaster is dialed in and spent so much time getting it right. And then like, obviously the barista still is the final step, but I think at the same time, like you're, you can kind of mitigate some of that stuff just by having a fantastic coffee. Cause at the end of the day, if you have a really good coffee, you're going to drink a really good coffee. Yep. I agree. I, I just want like, like I look to create coffees that are good, but affordable. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they're necessarily like the cheapest coffees. I'm not looking to do like, make like, you know, a, a $152 Brazil and turn into like a world championship level. I, I'm yeah. looking to like, you know, like take like a, a good coffee, price it well. Like I'm a little mm-hmm. bit higher than certain places, mm-hmm. but I think it's worth it. Or at least at Fabru, like I charge quite a bit more. Yeah. Um, I charge, I started at 11 for a coffee, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's based on like skill and like environment as well. Like, you know, yeah, nothing, 100%. right. Yeah. Uh, it's just bringing the lifestyle in. I think beans wise, like we want for tails. It's like, we're not using cheap beans either. Yeah. We're not using like top end beans. So it's at a point where it's, we think it's affordable, mm-hmm. but it definitely is the closest thing we could find or we want to create is mm-hmm. something that's close to something that I would compete with. Like every coffee I sell, I would probably want to compete with. And that's just kind of like the mentality or the ideas behind it. Yeah. Okay. So if you had to, let's roll with that idea. If you had to pick one of your current lineup to like, if you were going into a competition, what would it be? What, what's uh, afterglow afterglow. Okay. What's what, like, what do you, what's the afterglow? So afterglow is an Ethiopian coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has like, it's, it's just a little bit lighter in texture than the Kenya. Okay. And I think that balance is a little bit, oh, sorry, some cars. Um, <laughs> I think it's just like, it's just like nicer um, for most people in general. Yeah. Uh, at a one to 13, it doesn't feel too rich. Yeah. Which is my favorite type, like favorite ratio to brew with. Um, for neon lights, you would probably get the same feeling if mm-hmm. you were to do a one to 15, mm-hmm. um, but the afterglow kind of just leaves you like smiling a little bit more. Okay. It just has Hence like, the name afterglow. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, it's <laughs> supposed to, it's just more easy to like for any time of the day. Yeah. I feel like that coffee has like just enough, uh, richness in the mornings. It has just enough refreshingness in the afternoon and it's just sweet enough. Uh, whereas like neon lights, it's like, it's quite vibrant. It, it, yeah. To bring out vibrance, you have to have like two ends of the spectrum at the same time. 
Yeah. So it has to be dark and light at the same time, but not mm-hmm. too dark. Mm-hmm. So that's where you get the milk chocolates in, but you have like that brightness that just shines right through, right? Yeah. Um, if, if it was just like a light and fruity coffee, I think it's just too tea-like. You might as well just grab some Lipton and <laughs> cut up a mango, cut up some strawberries and pour some hot water into there, you know? Oh, man. I I love a good tea-like coffee. Um, I, that's, uh... I, I, do, I do too, but it's actually... In, in theory, it's actually cheaper to just buy fruits and then put tea into it. <laughs> yeah. it, it. It is much yeah, cheaper because yeah. you make a much bigger batch. Yeah. No, I've got a... Uh, I, no, I'm a fan. I've got a coffee right now. It's a Guatemalan, but it, it tastes like Earl Grey tea and it'll, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, and that's what we're talking about, right? Like everybody, there is no one right way to do it. Everybody's got... Yeah, you know their own because taste is everyone's taste buds are different and like you said like two people could eat the same mango or you know a mango and perceive it completely differently yeah Um, and so yeah and that's what we uh so we got to do in the coffee industry have to be have to be totally open to the fact that people like just because i'm the barista and i dialed in and i tasted it this way or just because i'm a roaster and i taste it this way doesn't mean somebody else is going to that's right yeah and obviously, like, you know, if you want it, like, more light and fruity anyways, you just add more water. Um, yeah. That's what, like, the ratio thing is, right? It's, like, if, if we were to brew at the 1 to 13, which I, I love, mm-hmm. um, and it is my technique, um, then, you know, it would come out a little bit richer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can always just manipulate a coffee anyways through your techniques to create different vibes. Yeah. And that would just work the same. So... I don't think we should ever be really like hung up on it. People always worry and I just like make it as easy as possible. Yeah. I even tell people nowadays that they don't even need to scale. I'm just like, fuck it, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you brew, I, when I first started specialty coffee, I didn't have a scale for ages. Cause, uh, I just, I just hadn't bought one yet. And, uh, my, my friends who were in specialty were, or who were into specialty as well, gave me a pretty hard time for it. I will say like when I got one and I started using, it, I was like, okay, like I get it. This is a yeah. lot easier. Cause I can, I'm doing the same thing every time, you know, I can actually see, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I've brewed coffees camping where I forgot a scale or didn't have one. And you just, I'm like, this looks about this much. And that looks about that much and brew it up. Wait, did, was it you who I showed the no filter brew method too? No, no, I think it was Josh. No filter that? brew method. I think you told me about it. I don't know if you showed me. Oh, I, I had it on my Instagram story. So essentially, you just take two beakers. Yeah. And you do it by volume because it's a two-minute roll, right? Yeah. So you pour, you you brew your, you pour your coffee into one, and then you did, you, know, you, you did, I did see this. Yeah, yeah, I did see. Yeah, it. yeah, and you yeah. just pour hot water into it. You cowboy coffee. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you want it to like sink a little bit more because once it sinks, it doesn't release flavors. Yeah. You have to actually pass through the coffee grinds mm-hmm. for it to release flavors, in my opinion. So going a little bit over time on that one is actually fine. Yeah. Just because well, it's, it's all- immersion brew, right? Like you that's right, yeah. Really hard like- to extract a clever, like over extract a clever because that's right. Like you yeah, can yeah, let yeah, it sit yeah. for eight minutes and it's probably still gonna taste pretty good. That's right, yeah because the, the, the coffees are at the top and you just pour into the other beaker slowly mm-hmm. and you leave out all the sediments. And you can do that once more into a cup and you're going to get a really nice cup of coffee. Yeah, and except make sure you're wearing a, wear an oven mitt because Vince yeah. burned his hand a bunch in that video. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you're, you're right. I, I did burn my hand in that video. It was kind of hot. Um, 
maybe not use a beaker. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe don't use don't use something with a handle. <laughs> you use the, you know, like the Hario yeah. server. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They have the volume thing on it, anyways. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, don't man. use a beaker. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to show people because it's yeah. easier to see the volume on there. No, for sure. All right, man. Well, Vince, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join us on the show today and for for giving us your thoughts on on the industry and on brewing. And uh, I hope you had a good time, man. I did. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, no problem at all. And we'll uh, I'm sure we'll be bringing you back on. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get one where we've got Westy here too, because I know that he's going to have lots of comments uh on the things he said i'm going to send it to him before we record our segment so that he can listen and have have some comments and uh hopefully we'll be uh be dropping this episode soon okay i'll be looking forward to it yeah all right man well uh we'll see we'll we'll see you later and everybody thanks for listening uh make sure you go check out tails coffee uh on instagram Fabru as well pick up a bag there's lots of different options obviously i'm gonna plug the neon lights pick up a bag of the neon lights our collaboration coffee and uh yeah enjoy Yeah, you have a good night.